Hi everyone, this is Sam Black, and um, as a subscription goal on my stream, uh, once again, I've offered to do a 17 lands informed set review, where um, I'm going to look at uh, the stats here um, on 17 lands as a way to organize cards to discuss in the context of their stats and to explain uh, why I think the stats are the way they are, what those mean, where you should use them, stuff like that. So um, I did this before. Uh, some of you may be familiar with this process. I did it for uh, Crimson Vow, or yeah, no, this is Crimson Vow. I did it for Midnight Hunt as well. Um, but let's get into it for uh, Crimson Vow, starting with White Commons. So, the highest performing White Common by an amount that has been increasing over the last few days, Traveling Minister. Um, I would say, as someone who's been following 17 lands for the past several sets, seeing um, White One-Drops overperform should not be a shock. Um, this card does a lot of things. Um, this is one that I was, uh, I, I read some tweets about before the set started where people were like, this thing might actually be good in some decks. I'm like, well, it's good with the black-white stuff. It's good with the training stuff. It's good with red-white because red-white is also the training stuff. It's good with blue because blue seems to be racing with flyers. So it looks like it's good with every color. Um, Healer Sock was kind of strong. This seems better because it's, not just a 1-1 one, one lifelink, it's like it both does a damage and gains a life if you have a way to connect, but it also makes it more likely that you can connect because like if your opponent has a 3-3 three, three and you have a 2-2, two, two, you use Traveling Minister and now your 2-2 two, two can attack where it wouldn't be able to otherwise and your opponent doesn't want to block because now they're trading down. And so um, Traveling Minister uh, just like lets you push a bunch of damage that you wouldn't otherwise be able to push that makes it uh, a lot stronger than just like a 1-1 lifelink would be. Um, and then also, if you don't have any attacks available where a 1-1 lifelinker wouldn't be able to do anything, this can still just tap to gain life without ever entering combat. So um, basically just like powerful baseline card with a bunch of special utility in set and... Um, Great way to enable the life gain stuff in black. Um, all the stuff I already talked about. So, as I already mentioned, I think that it's good in every archetype. Um, we can check real quick uh, to see its win rate by color pairs. Um, <laughs> amusingly, it's behind Nurturing Presence, barely, uh, when paired with blue because Nurturing Presence has synergy uh, with enchantments. But I think that it's more of what's happening there is that uh, you get Nurturing Presence a little bit later. And I think that um, right now, I think you have to be like kind of like in the know to realize you should even be putting Nurturing Presence in your blue-white decks, which gives you a bit of an edge. I, I don't think Nurturing Presence is actually better than Traveling Minister in blue-white, but I do think it's like kind of close. And then best in white-black, Best in white, red, and then uh, a little bit behind Cigar is in, present, is in prison, minting green, white. But 
you know, best or second best common in every color combination. Um, so I think you want to take it highest overall. Um, and like, I, you know, I, I think where we're seeing, you know, like if you sort by average taken, it's pretty far down right now. Um, there are seven cards that people are taking over it. Um, now when a card is taken late and wins, um, you have to remember that, uh, part of why it's winning is the fact that it's taken late, right? Like you, the people who have it have on average spent seventh pick, seventh picks, or, uh, yes, they've spent seventh picks for it. And so they have the benefit of having taken better cards or other good cards with their earlier picks. Whereas, um, you know, if you have to spend a higher pick, you're like down a fraction of a card quality resource or whatever, theoretically. But um, here, I think, you know, it's like 0.8% ahead of the second best card. I think it's just actually, you know, if you're not thinking about tabling stuff and everything, it is just the strongest white common in a vacuum. Um, I do think there are a lot of decks that want Fierce Retribution over it specifically. Um, I could see myself sometimes taking Fierce Retribution over Traveling Minister um, in a white deck, like, you know, third or fourth pick or whatever, depending on what I have already, whether my deck is more aggressive or more controlling, what colors I'm in and stuff. But um, uh, basically, people are people are not taking Traveling Minister high enough. Uh, if you're drafting white, you should be taking it over most or all other commons most or all the time. Um, how far along are we? The first card. Uh, Sorry, I'm mostly going to be ignoring chat. Um, next up, Fierce Retribution. Uh, this is obviously better when you're defensive, but it's really nice that uh, you can spend the extra mana to kill anything. Um, it's not the removal spell you're looking for for an aggro deck, unless that aggro deck is like blue-white evasion. Um, like if you're evasive, people are going to be attacking back. And while you might be aggressive, you're an aggressive deck that's getting attacked. And so, uh, you're going to have, um, a good opportunity to use retribution for two mana. Uh, if you're like red, white aggro, uh, green, white, this isn't going to help you with your ability to attack and get your training stuff going. And you'd probably prefer more synergistic cards and maybe even just like trying to use a combat trick as a way to get through a blocker instead of trying to use a removal spell as a way to get through a blocker. But um, if you are being attacked, generally, you know, all else equal, this card is great in blue, white, and black, white, not so good if you're green or red. Uh, though there are definitely exceptions to that, especially with green, you might be like a multicolor green deck that's more controlling. The more bombs you have, expensive bombs, the more interested in Fierce Retribution you are. Good card, much more deck dependent than Traveling Minister. Some decks want it, some decks don't. Sigarda's uh, Imprisonment. This card has a very, very, very close overall game and hand win rate to Fierce Retribution, and it's more general use. Uh, regardless of whether you're attacking or blocking, whether you're an aggressive deck or a controlling deck, this is going to answer a creature for three mana. What that means is 
given that we know that they perform similarly overall, the decks that are being attacked would prefer to have fierce retribution, and the decks that are attacking would prefer to have Sigarda's imprisonment, because we know that actually fierce retribution is going to win more than 56.3% of the time sometimes and less other times, whereas uh, the gap in win rate and Sigarda's improvement is going to in, in imprisonment is going to vary less. So the numbers plus a bit of reasoning without even checking, I'm going to be very confident that if I, it's going to be great when I'm wrong here, uh, look at um, green or white reds win rate, that imprisonment is going to be higher than retribution. Um, and uh, love it. I am wrong about that. Uh, imprisonment, uh, 54.9 retribution higher. So that has to be accounted for somewhere else. So is it green-white? Green-white, I, I, we already saw this is the highest. Um, it's a reasonable amount, not a full percent, but you go to amount higher. Um, is it just all green-white where that's favored? Let's see. Uh, White-black, retribution, significantly over-imprisonment, I wonder. And then here, uh, again, retribution a little over. Oh, they're basically tied in blue-white, which I wouldn't have expected could potentially be due to enchantment synergies. Um, also, you know, could be any number of factors from variance to people drafting it differently than I expect or whatever. Regardless, I still believe, despite whatever was going on with that red-white stat, that the more aggressive you are, the more you should be preferring imprisonment over retribution. The more uh, you plan to be attacked, the more you should be preferring retribution over imprisonment. Uh, both are comparable overall. Um, so obviously early in the draft, it's mostly going to depend on where you would like to be. Um, are you an aggressive, are you a player who prefers to be aggressive or prefers to be controlling? Um, next up, Kindly Ancestor, 2-3 lifelink. Um, found this card to be very good. Uh, lifelink overperforms every set. Just to say, people just never get around to giving lifelink enough credit. Um, turns out uh, limited decks end up racing each other a lot. So even if you're aggressive, it still ends up having value. Uh, if you're controlling and playing against an aggressive, basically anytime your opponent is, is aggressive, lifelink is fantastic. If they are not aggressive, lifelink isn't useless, but it's not so good. Um, and 2-3 lifelink by itself is solid. Like 2-3 is not exciting, but lifelink is a very good ability. 2-3 with an ability is playable. I would expect 2-3 lifelink to be okay. Uh, the backside of this being able to give something else lifelink means that you just gain appreciably more life off of it. And uh, especially when you when paired with blue, um, it's very easy to generate Baneslayers, just to say any sort of large flying lifelink creature. And any time you can have an uncontested flying lifelink creature, that's extremely hard to race. And you can often just ignore your opponent's creatures while attacking in the air and uh, trading damage, but gaining enough life that you easily win the race and just beat whatever they're doing without paying any attention to what it is. Uh, and then obviously this also has synergies with black because of the life gain matters stuff. Um, 
not surprising to see the two life gain creatures uh, best performing overall. Next up, love to see it, Nurturing Presence. Uh, you'll note this has been played a very small fraction as much as the other colors or the other cards around it. Um, and it's been taken much later. And this is one that I think reads really bad. Um, we are used to two mana auras that don't permanently pump something not being any good. Uh, it's easy to think of the card from the previous set that uh, gave something the unruly mob ability. The bonus 1-1 Flying Spirit is a really big deal here. Um, it's like, this is based, I mean, so a 2-mana 1-1 Flyer is a bad rate. A 2-mana 2-1 Flyer is a good rate. And this gives you a 1-1 Flyer and also pushes question mark extra damage. And um, you get some of that damage right away. And then there are also enchantment synergies with the fact that this is triggering uh, Brinecomer and stuff like that. Um, also, subtly, it's making a creature bigger, which can allow you to trigger training where you might otherwise not be able to. So um, I think that it is correct to continue to see this card less played than cards around it, because I think it's only good in some archetypes. Uh, I think like white black rarely wants it. I think that white blue usually wants it uh, very much as many as it can get basically. And I think it's also pretty good in white red. Just it's a it's reasonably strong ag aggressive card. Um, and then it's gonna be hit or miss in green white uh, really depending on what your creatures are, how much training you have, how much you need the pump to do your training. Um, yeah, uh, so this card, like I don't think you should take it as high as the cards around it if you're not blue-white. I think a lot of its strength comes from blue-white. Also, I expect you to continue to be able to table it for at least another week or so. So even when you are blue-white, there's something to be said for saying, oh, I want this, I'm gonna send it around and uh, get it later. Um, chat's pointing out you can play this on your opponent's creature, so if you don't have a creature and you want a 1-1, one -one, uh, you can do that. Um, amusingly, if you do have to put it on your opponent's creature to get the 1-1, one -one, their creature will get bigger when you play, or no, it gives the ability to the enchanted creature. So it pumps when they play a creature, not when you play a creature. So it is risky to have to do that. Um, but if you have, if you want a 1-1 one -one and you have a removal spell or something in a desperate situation, you can play this on your opponent's creature. Um, I've never had to do it. I would certainly try to avoid doing it most of the time. Um, so... Underrated card that is strong, but I think that you can get it late and should often try to table it. Heron of Hope. Um, this is uh, pretty strong. Um, another uh, evasive life gain card. Um, 
two three four mana two three flyer if you would gain life gain that much life plus one and then for three mana you can give it lifelink until end of turn it's kind of a life gain lord like the more you know um from that uh second line that makes it play well with traveling minister in particular uh but also anything else that gains life good with uh glutton the the whatever the one four black uh make a gluttonous guest i think um they make a blood and then you gain life whenever you sack blood um i mentioned that if you can get kindly ancestor on a flying creature um you can like you use like turn anything into a bane slayer angel to win races limited heron of hope does a reasonable job of that by itself um you don't you know there are plenty of times when this doesn't have lifelink but white decks want a pretty low curve in this format basically across the board i think so usually not long after you've played it it's basically you know you're not doing anything else with the mana and can give it lifelink uh, White's also not great at having mana sinks, which makes it uh, pretty easy to use this. And um, I think it matches up reasonably well against other creatures uh, with flying in the set. Um, obviously, uh, like the black common flyer is a 2 2, which this matches up well against. Um, and then, like, the big blue flyer is a 2 5 and not very good and this uh bounces off of that in a way that's profitable for you like if you just have those two creatures you can attack gain three life hang out um so it's it i don't there are not a lot of i don't think there i guess there's the white uh three three flyer um that kind of dominates it but for the most part it it performs pretty well in aerial combat and the life gain is a reasonably big deal um, I am surprised that it performs better overall than Drog Skull Infantry. Uh, before playing with the set, I my guess was that Drog Skull Infantry was going to be the best uh, common creature. Obviously, we're seeing it significantly down from that. Um, giving plus two plus two is nice, but it's fairly expensive, and I guess the two two on the front side has maybe been hard to uh, get a lot of value out of. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. I do think the card is strong and I've personally had good experiences with it. Um, I think that, you know, it's not super hard for it to trade off and um, then for you to like, the, the plus two two is very nice. It does line up poorly against like, if your goal is to trade off with it, it doesn't do that well against the green two drops, uh, where there's the 2-2 two, two that is a 2-4 on your turn that can easily attack past this, and then there's the 2-2 two, two that gets plus 1, plus 1 when you play to human and often attacks as a 3-3. Three, three. Infantry can't block and trade with either of those. And then it also can't block and trade with the 2-1 red creature that gets first strike when attacking. Um... So it might just be that it it's like it wants to be able to block other two drops and then generate value, and it uh, doesn't line up very well against very many different creatures in that role. Um, but I, I've still been happy with this in blue white in particular, which is most of where I've played this, and I wouldn't be sad to have it anywhere. I'm looking for a two drop basically. Um, 
Heron Blast Geist. Uh, this is um, a little expensive for what most white decks are looking for, but it's also you know reasonably powerful. I don't think it's a bad rate. Um, three three flyer is uh, pretty big. It does. I guess um, when I was talking about Heron of Hope's matchups, I forgot to mention that Heron of Hope does have a really bad matchup against uh, the blue four mana three three flyer. But um, Heron Blast Geist being more expensive than that, significant drawback. Um, this card is more fine than good or bad. I don't think it's the end of the world if you have to play it anywhere, but um, it's, you know, this is comparable to the Griff that, uh, in Midnight Hunt, where there you're getting an extra toughness and getting an ETB instead of this potential ability to make two more spirits. Making two more spirits sounds really good, but you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get there. This has to die, not get exiled. You have to spend a bunch of mana. You have to have an enchantment. Um, and then you get to one one spirits, which is very good. But at that point, we're pretty late in the game. They may or may not matter. Um, so when you compare that to just have an extra toughness up front, as well as an ETB ability, hard to say which one's better or worse. Obviously, not the best comparison to compare cards cross format, but as far as, you know, like, if this card seems very good or very bad to you, and you agree that the Griff was medium, this should, it should be easy to see that this is also, okay, that's roughly medium power level. Um, as for, like, how much should you be trying to get value out of like getting this in your graveyard without casting it so that you can spend four mana and get two tokens as like free value i would say eh, i guess it's kind of nice if it comes up but white isn't super well positioned to like make that happen in a way that's meaningfully profitable um like you can try to do it with like oh i'm gonna pair this with blood tokens and discard it but like you aren't usually using a blood token until reasonably late in the game and you would generally rather try to find the land to cast this than discard it um, and like try to get the value that way so technically there are ways that that can happen but i think they're pretty fringe and i wouldn't put a lot of stock in them griff rider this is one i, I would say um Training across the board has been a little bit weaker than I expected. Um, it's just not that easy to set up a situation where you can afford to attack with the small guy that needs training and a big guy to train it. So like this has evasion, so it can attack while it's small, but you still need another thing that has more power than it and can attack. And so if they have like a large ground guy, that might stop you from being able to train this thing. And when you can't train it, you have a 2-1 flyer for three, which is very bad. Um, this is very good if you get to train on it immediately. Very bad if you don't get to train on it. Uh, awesome if you get to train on it multiple times reasonably quickly. Um, all of that, I think, really in practice, you rarely get to attack with this for three on turn four. And so if you get to train on it, but you have to wait a little while, then it's, again, more medium, doesn't block well right away. Uh, 
potentially has pretty bad matchups against like Lantern Bearer. So um, more more awkward than it looks, uh, kind of fillery. Um, Adamant Will. When you want a trick, it's a trick. This is we've seen this card before, and cards like it are in basically every set. Um, worth noting, uh, stats wise, usually there's some white trick that no one plays, no one takes, and it has incredible stats. And we that isn't true in this set. Uh, I think said white trick basically always costs a single white mana, and there just isn't a white trick for one mana. There's a removal spell, Piercing Light, instead. And it looks like Piercing Light is actually, uh, somewhat surprisingly, depending on your priors, uh, worse than like most one mana white tricks would be. Um, so, uh, yeah. That this is to say, if you are used to not playing tricks in your white decks, uh, there's no hidden value in this set to gain by playing the one mana white trick because there's not a white one mana white trick you can play. Uh, Parish Blade Trainee, um, all the same problems that Griff Rider has with training just not being quite as good as you want it to be. This card is absolutely awful if you can't train on it. Fine if you can train once good if it really gets going, but it's hard to really get this going. I was like, this is a card that I uh, overrated my first like draft or whatever. I had three of them and very rarely put a counter on it and then saw that it hadn't been doing well and now I basically just off it. Piercing Light. Um, killing an early attacker and scrying sounds pretty sweet. Uh, in practice, I think this is too narrow. Um, the format is not as much... So, the most important thing in the format is bombs. There are tons of them. They are great. Um, and uh, you need to be able to answer them. Um, that means you need to prioritize removal spells that can answer them. Piercing Light doesn't answer them. So it's kind of occupying a removal slot in your deck, but not doing what you need your removal slots to do. And um, it has a good place in the format because the fact that bombs are so important pushes people to try to be very aggressive to end a game before a bomb wins. But... Um, that doesn't always involve being aggressive in a way that Piercing Light lines up well against. I mentioned how Kindly Ancestor matches up poorly against the aggressive green two drops. Piercing Light does also. And some of your opponents, instead of trying to go under bombs, just have their own bombs. And then Piercing Light is horrible. So I think this is a pretty solid sideboard card for the bomb decks uh, against the aggro decks, but it's a pretty weak main deck card because um, it's just like, it has some good matchups and it does some sweet stuff. Scry one, trade with a guy for one man is very strong, but too often you're just not gonna get to do that at a reasonable time. Um, Nubblegast Beguiler doesn't read very strong. You don't really wanna use your five mana creature to tap their creature doesn't play very well, isn't very strong. Okay, great. 
Uh, Vampire Slayer, if uh, Drug Skull Infantry underperformed, I would expect this to be quite a bit worse. It is. Not much to see here. Uh, if you really need just a two-drop human that sometimes attacks better than a 2-2 or blocks better than a 2-2 or whatever, it's here for you, but it reads as roughly a 2-mana two 2-2, two, and it is that. Militia Rallier. It's nice that this can block by itself, but um, for anyone who's been playing a long time, you've probably played with Mog Flunkies, and you know that uh, they definitely don't work all the time, and this one doesn't work all the time. Uh, you really want to be able to attack with your aggressive creatures when you want to attack with your aggressive creatures. Uh, and then, like, the thing that this aspires to do is work well with training creatures, because it has a relatively high amount of power for its cost. But given that all of the training creatures are underperforming and not as good as you want, the enabler for your training creatures is also not going to be great. Speaking of, Estwald Shield Basher is, has performed shockingly poorly. Um, I guess there's kind of a pun there with the fact that there is a common shock that is very good in this format and kills this at tremendous value to the person who spent one mana to answer your four drop. Um, but this card reads pretty strong to me uh, because it is so good at uh, attacking and it does uh, play really well with training. But again, if training isn't good, the things that enable training aren't good. And while this attacks well, it blocks horribly and it doesn't match up well against removal spells. So um, this card can uh, sometimes be a problem if you're trying to play a defensive deck and get paired against it, but it's a little too uh, plays one way um, to uh, have a lot of success in the format, um, I would assume, based on its results. Though I will say this is a card that I did overestimate relative to its stats, um, which, you know, when I read it, I thought there would be a place for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a place for it. If you know that you're going to be the aggressor, if you are using training and you know that it's correct for you to use training, despite properly rating training, which is to say knowing that it's not very strong, um, then you might, you know, as, as long as you've taken all that into account, might be there might be some decks to put it in. But for the most part, um, the numbers say that it doesn't match, it doesn't line up well in the format. Um, it's just a lot of mana, dies to removal, um, doesn't, and only plays one way. Uh, unholy efficient. Doesn't read very strong, doesn't play very strong. I thought it might have a chance in terms of being a good body to put uh, auras onto, but um, it's just too... <laughs> Vigilance isn't really the keyword you're looking for in those decks, and it's just too low impact. Um, Supernatural Rescue. Uh, there's not a lot to say about this card. Uh, it just costs a lot of mana. It does some stuff that looks like, okay, I could maybe see this doing some stuff, but like, it's it's also just such a weird package where like. You want to give your thing plus one, plus two while it's in combat, 
but you want to tap your opponent's creatures before combat. And so while maybe if you add up all the parts of this, it can combine to almost be worth four mana, you never get all the parts. This is secretly a modal spell, and neither of the modes is really worth anywhere near four mana. Um, and then we have Sanctify, which is clearly a sideboard card, if anything. Um, there aren't enough uh, valuable artifacts and enchantments that you want to play this main. Um, uh, sorcery Speed Disenchant is a lot worse than... I mean, Sorcery Speed Removal of any kind is a lot worse than Instant Speed. Uh, this is just not very good. Um, moving on to Uncommons. All right, best performing Angelic Quartermaster. Uh, this is 5-5 five, five flying. This is 5-5 five, five worth of stats. 3-3 three, three of it has flying. 2-2 two, two of it uh, basically potentially has haste. Um, unlike Gavany Silversmith, uh, both of these counters have to go on creatures that aren't this, um, which is worth noting. But the good version of this is just a lot of stats for its mana unlimited. And um, the bad version of this is fine. Uh, and, you know, the, the great version of this, you're putting those counters on things that have keywords and don't have summoning sickness. You're getting both counters. The counters are, like, particularly valuable. Um, and some, I mean, you can even trigger stuff by putting uh, counters on things in a set sometimes. You could even, like, this can make a thing bigger that allows you to train on another creature, so you kind of, like, generate a third counter out of the deal. Um, anyway, strong card. Um, Valorous Stance, this is a good card. Um, like, two mana to kill a creature with four toughness or more is just, like, a better rate than we often see on that kind of effect. Like, I would expect to spend three mana for that on most commons. And um, most of the commons where I'd be, expect to spend three mana on it, I would also expect that it's dead sometimes. But with this, if my opponent doesn't have a four toughness creature, I can probably find some time to buy out saving my own creature with it. Um, and then in this format that's so about uh, bombs, this is a great way to play a card that can answer most bombs. So... Um, Really, really strong. Uh, great card. Um, this is often, like, I, anytime I see this in a pack, it's uh, one of the cards I'm, you know, pulling to the front mentally or in paper in practice if I see it as, well, this is a consideration. Um, happy to take it early. Uh, Circle of Confinement. Um, silk wrap type cards are generally pretty good. Uh, this is, you know, restricted to mana value three or less, but um, mana value three or less is very likely to get your opponent's, you know, first play or first significant play. Um, obviously, not being able to hit bigger things matters, but um, this uh, is solid removal. Um, I th I'm surprised, honestly, that it's this close to Valorous Dance. I do think Valorous Dance is appreciably better. This is um, 
more what you need in like a control deck that's looking to not die early or really just if you are either looking to stay alive early or looking to attack this is pretty good um i don't know uh resistance squad a little bit narrow in terms of you want to make sure you have enough humans to trigger this though there are plenty of humans and this thing is obviously fantastic if you have a human um twin blade geist uh Double Strike is strong. This card uh, is very good to put other things on or put on other things. Um, the first side of it is basically just, you know, a two drop that trades. Um, and then the back side is very scary. Um, I think that this probably, uh, like, underperforms some high in the sky view of its power level um your opponent does get to see it coming and does like know when they kill it that they're giving you the ability to use the backside and they can go out of their way to not kill the front if they're not ready to deal with the back and stuff so your opponent's often going to like be prepared to deal with this um but it's still i mean the fact that they can deal with it uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's effortless to do so. It's going to drain their resources in some way. Um, solid two drop. Uh, Fleeting Spirit. This is uh, a weird card in terms of um, figuring out like how close to its hypothetical ceiling it is. Um, like the discard a card to dodge removal spells or well to you know exile and come back is very good if your opponent's trying to like if you are attacking with this and your opponent wanted to use a removal spell on your creature that is pressuring them this card is very good against that uh that will not be an effective strategy if you're trying to attack with this and your opponent plays literally any creature you are often not going to get to the point where you can use first strike early in the game and so it will fail to be the aggressive creature that you wanted it to be. Uh, this is a card that like would play better in Constructed than in Limited, except I don't know that it's actually strong enough for any Constructed deck. Um, uh, but just like structurally the idea that like in Constructed, it's more likely that your opponent's trying to use removal spells to answer your like white winnie creatures. Whereas in Limited, it's more likely that someone's just trying to block your two drop and they're not really looking to use a removal spell means that the discard a card ability is relatively weak and limited, where blocking is more likely. That said, the get first strike ability is more likely to be strong, but um, it doesn't happen early, and three cards is fairly expensive. Um, so I haven't found this thing to function as much like a 3-1 first striker as it wants to. Basically, this is like a lot worse than just like Porcelain Legionnaire, like a 3-1 First Striker would be. Um, and so, yeah, this is not, this is no Adanto Vanguard or whatever. Um, distracting Geist. Um, Territorial Hammer Skull was very, very, very strong. That was uh, this cost for a 2-3 that when it attacked, tapped something in Ixlan and it didn't have the disturbed part. 
Uh, that was very good in a format where it was basically the only common that had any text while it was in play, and it also had two extra toughness. The two extra toughness is really big. It allows it to play defense, and it makes it much easier to tap your opponent's creature that has power, and then their small creature can't just block and trade with it. Whereas it's very, very easy to, when playing against Distracting Geist, leave, you know, just like two one ones back, and then they tap one of them, and the other gets to trade with the Distracting Geist, and then you get the backside, but the backside is just so expensive that uh, I have not found this particularly threatening when playing against it, and it doesn't have very good stats. Um, Griffling Cavalry, this is, um, it looks like training just across the board uh, was kind of a miss. Um, like it's all of the cards that have or enable training underperform. Uh, so it's just overcosted relative to how strong the ability is. This card is very much about training and uh, like, you know, this splashy uncommon plays worse than the common version. Not exactly uh, version, but the common um, format of flyer. Uh, Geist. I have drafted like Blue, white, have tons of spirits, therefore I'm casting a bunch of enchantments. I'm kind of defensive, so gaining life would be good. And still this card just felt too low impact. Like you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get it to do a thing, and then the thing it does just isn't good enough. It's like narrow and not worth it in the narrow spot, so basically worthless. Um, Maybe it's better with black than it is with blue if you're like desperate for life gain triggers. But I think this card is uh, disappointing to bad, depending on what you were hoping for or expecting. Um, Ohnbach Escort. <laughs> this is a victim of the training situation where like training is bad. All the enablers, all the payoffs, everything that has anything to do with plus one, plus one counters is also bad. Also, even if training was good, I don't know if this card would be any good. This wants like there to be just like an actual natural plus one, plus one counter theme where you are you have creatures that just enter the battlefield with plus one, plus one counters, and this can regularly target most of your creatures in like the right archetype, and this is just not that set. This is a Vigilance 1-1 one, one. that is a worse version of the Vigilance 1-2 common. Arm of the Catharsis, again, this card, um, well, first of all, it's just like sorcery speed pump spells uh, need to have a lot to get there. And if this had a chance, it would be to enable training, training not good, training enabler not good, this card not good. Radiant Grace, This the, the sides of this card do not do enough. Um, this card is just too low impact across the board. Uh, Bride's Gown, um, this is a lot of, you have to, yeah, no, it, this is the fancy text. I've actually had opponents generate, like get, pull this off twice. Um, I really don't think you should try to, uh, it's not that great if you pull it off and it's really bad if you don't pull it off. This is not a good rate for an equipment. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
on to rares. Um, all right, Katilda is absurd. I'm a little surprised it's not mythic. Um, it's uh, obviously way, way, way better if you have a lot of other disturbed spirits so that it's big. But even if it's not big, um, it has a lot of keywords. And then, uh, particularly when it dies, putting those keywords on anything is very scary. Um, you should very, very, very strongly try to draft to maximize this if you get it. But again, even if you can't, it's still fine basically just by itself. Um, and a uh, really, really amazing card. Speaking of really amazing cards, wedding announcement is obnoxious. Um, it gives you so much value before giving you an anthem. Um, and an anthem is amazing and limited. Um, I think the last time I played this, I traded for two of my opponent's cards with just like the tokens. And then after that, I like had a glorious anthem that probably won me the game. Um, playing against this is like, if you draw it late, you would often rather draw glorious anthem. On turn three, this feels super impressive no matter what's happening, basically. Um, I guess, yeah, that's pretty clearly communicated with its opening hand win rate of 70% compared to its like games drawn win rate of 61%. Way, 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 way better early than late, but also still busted late. This card is really, really strong. Um, my current draft deck uh, that I'm in the middle of playing matches with is playing this card with no plans. Um, despite the fact that I know that it's much better early than late. Uh, welcoming Vampire. This uh, is a really good card that at least feels like a normal rare. <laughs> like, this is, um, you know, uh, better. Than, I mean, well, I guess it's not, a, I mean, it's for the most part better than Mentor of the Meek. Like Mentor of the Meek has dreams of triggering a million times, but you have to spend mana on each of those triggers. Um, this, you don't have to spend mana and it's bigger and it flies. Um, this, like a two, three flyer for three would be fine if it just, if that was it. Like that, just like, if you imagine this is a common two, three flyer for three, you would take it reasonably early. You'd be happy playing it. And then you get a really busted text box for free also. So then you first pick it rather than just being happy to play it. Um, by invitation only, this is so much better than the normal sweepers are good and limited because this is a sweeper that's good when you're ahead. Um, provided the way that you're ahead is you have more creatures than your opponent, but some of those creatures are small, which is precisely where you would expect to be in white. And um, so the fact that like, you don't have to not play your stuff. You can just play all your stuff. Your opponent plays their stuff. And now if you have like five creatures, some of them are random garbage one, one flying tokens and stuff. And like two of them are good. You play this, you both sack three creatures, you kill your opponent. Also, you don't do that. You just like do nothing. Your opponent plays some stuff. Then you kill this, kill all their stuff and lose nothing. This is like a... Have your cake and eat it to uh, like best in every good in every situation, Wrath. Um, 
which after saying all of that, I am shocked by how low its game and handling rate is. Um, I, uh, I've had great experiences with it. Um, I don't understand what people are doing wrong with this. It's obviously not bad. I don't understand why it doesn't win more than it does. Um, I can, I intend to continue drafting it highly and prioritizing it. I think it's great. Um, Hopeful Initiate. Uh, so this card does not seem to me to be in the same ballpark as by invitation only, yet somehow it is 0.1% uh, behind by invitation only. I have no realistic explanation for that. Um, this is a 1-2 um, training uh, which we've seen at common. The common you have to spend an extra mana for. Uh, the rare, instead of needing to spend an extra mana, you get an extra ability. So probably quite a bit better than the common. Um, though, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, it's this plays just, you know, radically better than the common because you can play this, then play a two mana two two, then attack with both and this becomes a two three and then it's more likely to be able to keep growing from there like being able to get the training guy down without kind of like taking the spot off your curve where you would play a creature that can train it um is uh obviously um much stronger this is a solid like you know this is a solid aggressive creature nothing amazing um voice of the blast um I guess I'm a little bit surprised by this thing's game and hand win rate not being higher. I suspect that that is because it is good enough to play when you're not using it very well. And so people who are just like, yeah, sure, I'm a white deck, I'll play this, drag down its numbers in the decks where it's best. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I, I suspect that if you are at all good at using this thing, it's an actual bomb. Um, not not too much more to say about than that. Thalia. Uh, I would expect this... No, so I was going to say I would expect this to be a little bit better than it is, but then I saw that its average taken at is 1.9. And this is a, like, youthful knight. It's a 2-1 first strike for two. It's not good. It's a fine playable. And people are taking it as if it's good. And then, uh, like, using an expensive pick on it and, uh, you know, maybe, like, drafting white when they shouldn't have because of it and stuff like that. This is, like, a low-tier fine common. Um... Sigarda summons. Uh, this is a huge trap. Um, any way that you attempt to use the, the the more you try to use this, the more of a trap it is. Like you should just pass it. If you draft it, you might end up taking some things to try to enable it. Then you'll either kind of get there and play it, and then sometimes you'll draw it and it won't work, and you'll be unhappy about it. Or you'll really get there. 
but then your deck is probably horrible. Um, and we can see, like, this is a card where, like, its game played win rate is the lowest, and then it's, like, worse when you draw it. But I think this is doing a lot to sabotage your deck before you ever draw or don't draw it. Um, just, just stay away. And then Mythics. Uh, Faithbound Judge, this thing is absurd. Um, it is just like a giant wall that uh, stops being a wall and kills your opponent and has a bunch of other texts that I am not gonna get into because none of it matters. It's just like a random bomb. Um, good in every white deck, just a bomb. Uh, Cemetery Protector, um, again, surprised by the low win rate here. Like, I don't really know how 3-4 Flash uh, with, like, any other words on it wouldn't be a little bit better than this. Um, I don't know if this is, again, just like people are using a high pick, getting too attached, drafting white when it's contested, something like that. Um, this, like, th there's nothing about this that isn't a good card. You can ambush an attacker, and then the, um, like, if you ever start, like, actually making one ones with this, that's sweet. Um, I would say, you know, like, take this game in hand win rate as like a little bit of a warning not to um you know get too invested or anything but you should certainly be you know this is obviously better than like most commons and stuff and you, it seems like a card you should put in your deck um savior of allenbach again like so this one so obviously you know training has problems uh this thing is like Fragile, kind of hard to attack with. Um, I've I had this once. I played it in a deck that was pretty bad for it. Um, like I had basically no creatures with more than two power, so it was very hard to um, like ever exile two things with it. And it was still good for me. Um, you know, maybe I got lucky and that my opponents just like didn't have answers to it and stuff. Um, this is another one where like there's there's no way this card is like not quite good um again i think this is just like be careful about over committing to white based on like a double white mythic that you get early or something and then hollow haunting this seems really hard to do if you're in the right spot and you see this at a time that is like reasonable to spend a pick on it uh the stats indicate that you can like take and play it and it'll be fine but i don't think that you should like speculatively draft this first pick unless the pack is really bad or speculatively drafted early um this is one that i think needs to kind of just like fall in your lap to reward you for like already being in the right place um and that is the end of white Um, so, uh, for anyone watching this later, um, I am, uh, breaking this up into different videos that'll be, uh, released throughout, uh, the week, next week from when I'm recording this. So, um, tune in, 
go to my next video or come back tomorrow or whatever's appropriate for the time that you're watching this. Uh, we'll be talking about blue. Um, yeah.